Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for downloading or streaming this episode of Band Biographies. You can find more episodes at bandbiographies.com. That's B-A-N-N-E-D biographies.com. If you enjoy it, why not leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use to listen to your podcasts? Apparently, it helps get the show up the charts so more people can see it, to download it, and then to leave further five-star reviews. Another way you can help is by telling as many friends as possible to give it a download. Please do reach out on Twitter at BandBiogs, on Instagram at BandBiographies, search on Facebook for BandBiographies, or by emailing BandBiographies at gmail.com. But most of all, enjoy. So, yeah, firstly, Louise, thank you very much for giving up your time to talk to me today. Oh, actually, before I do start, <laughs> is it... Because <laughs> I just realised one of those ones where you know the whole thing is like you never actually get to the interview. You know those yeah, comedy yeah. sketches where they're like you know it's going to be that those stand ups who like come on and just say oh, they get to my set and then it's just everything fun. <laughs> That's kind of the way I roll. I just I, I prefer things to be a little bit more natural. Welcome to this latest interview episode of the Band Biographies podcast. The voice you just heard there was that of punk and indie-inspired solo artist Louise Aubrey. Louise first started writing and recording music in London before developing her sound over many years living and playing in New York City. She's been described as brilliant by BBC Six Music and magnificent by Louder Than War and compared to Blondie, The Smiths, The Pretenders and The Killers. During her career, Louise has recorded at the legendary Abbey Road Studios in London, at Nighttime Studios, originally commissioned by Steve Lillywhite, and in Europe and New York. She has played at renowned venues in London, the 100 Club, the Brooklyn Bowl and the O2 Centre, and in New York City's Bitter End and the Bowery Electric. Over the years, Louise has worked with Boz Bora, musical director and co-writer for Morrissey, Andy Woodard, drummer for Adamant and New Model Army, Tom Edwards, guitarist for Adamant and Edwin Collins, Roger Joseph Manning Jr., keyboards for The Killers, Beck and Morrissey, David Ruffey, drummer for The Ruts and The Waterboys, James Knight, producer for The Kooks and Kirsty McColl, Ken Sloisher, mixer and engineer for Morrissey, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Sum 41 and Mark Almond, Cam Blackwood, producer and engineer for George Ezra and Jack Savaretti, and Dave Collins, mastering for Jane's Addiction, No Doubt and Weezer. 
Louise's debut album, Fingers Crossed, was produced by Boz Bora and released in 2010 to critical acclaim in the UK and US, receiving national radio airplay. In 2013, Louise released her second album, Time Honored Alibi, with Boz Bora once more at the helm, both as producer and co-writer with Louise. The lead single, Where Are You, was consistently in the top five of Digital Radio Tracker's National US Airplay Independent Charts and in the top ten most requested at Indie 104i Radio in LA. Late 44, Louise's third album was released in 2016. Recorded at Abbey Road Studios and produced by James Knight, the lead single, Winter Dolor, was featured on BBC Radio 2 and BBC Six Music along with international radio play, and garnered outstanding reviews in the music press. Louise's fourth solo album, When I Don't Love You I'll Let You Know, was released in 2019, and was inspired by classic Cary Grant movies. It was produced by Andy Woodard, with Boz Bora adding his incomparable guitar parts. The singles On The Run and Enough were featured on BBC Six Music, and a live session for BBC Radio London was recorded. Louise's latest record, Antonio, will be released later in 2021. Recorded at Studio 55 and RFL Studios in London, it features Frank Horowitz on guitars, Boz Bora on guitars, keys and percussion, Andy Woodard on drums and bass, and Roger Joseph Manning Jr. on guest keys. It's also produced by Andy Woodard, mixed by Ken Sloycher, and mastered by Dave Collins in Los Angeles. The first single from Antonio is out today, so make sure you go out and buy it from wherever you get your music from now. And if you like it, why not find Louise on Facebook, Twitter or via her website, louisealbury.com, and tell her you heard about her on Band Biographies. Louise Aubrey is an incredible songwriter, and more than that, a warm and funny person. And I think that's captured in this chat, which I hope you'll enjoy now. <laughs> So yeah, Louise, thank you very much for giving up your time to talk to me today. We've been chatting for a little while, you know, in kind of sorting this interview out. And I'm glad because that's given me time to get acquainted with your back catalogue. And um, I'm, I'm a big fan. What I love is that for a singer-songwriter, you don't kind of stick to a particular set sound. You know, there's little nods to all sorts of things in there from like punk to... 60s girl groups and there's there's a few other in certain songs there's kind of nods to other bands like the police and the smiths and you know they're they're a little i think well maybe i'm listening too hard <laughs> <laughs> no not at all you can't listen too hard and thank you thank you very much tom that's so kind of you and it's a, it's a pleasure to be here and to speak to you so thank you I suppose it's all those things, you know, it's when people talk to you about, you know, kind of what's influenced you and how the, how the music comes out, I suppose, because I think with me, a lot of it is actually those real classic singers, really. People like Frank Sinatra and mm. um, Elvis, and people are quite surprised when I say that, because obviously my music sounds nothing like Frank Sinatra and Elvis. But I think, you know, when you've got these absolute masters of their craft like certainly when it comes to sort of vocals and again not comparing myself to these folks but but just just as a sort of reference point as something to even like aspire to really Sinatra to me I suppose growing up always around and you know and people like you know like I say Elvis always around but just his um his phrasing like no one I don't think you know has ever come close and ever will you know for me just like such an assured singer and when I was young I suppose my parents and grandparents always had that 
you know that kind of stuff around and and then obviously yeah you know through the 70s 80s 90s I mean a bit too young for that but just I think from my family I was so lucky to have a lot of music around and just picked up on it like you say some of the 60s stuff probably 70s is a real thing for me you mentioned punk and I love mm -hmm. that you know I love the spirit love the spirit of it all you know so it's kind of like that real almost classical stuff to then the kind of you know anarchy, anarchy stuff and I don't know it's a real melting pot I think so maybe that's why there are like you know different different reference points although it always kind of to me it kind of ends up sounding like me no matter what I do but mm. yeah there, there's obviously nods to I don't know all sorts in there. Mm. Yeah and and that's the thing it's like it is as much as there are definite differences within the songs there is a unified sound through obviously your voice and your playing as well but you said you know there was always music on you know with your grandparents and your parents what was the first song that you remember kind of hearing and thinking I'd like to do that it would be great to be a musician or a singer yeah well again I think you know hearing Sinatra sing was like a real thing I just just loved it just that purity of his voice just really mm -hmm. Um, and then, but I think more, more in the kind of more like rock or pop world, um, definitely Blondie. So um, again, like having, having that stuff as reference before, again, but before my time, but just having those records there to go to. I mean, I thought Debbie Harry was still do. I think she's absolutely amazing. I mean, she's still going, she's yeah. like in the seventies and they're, they're still, you know, they're still doing stuff, putting out material and what have you. And, and I think that was just like such a buzz, like hearing this sort of this real strong female and, you know, with her fantastic band. So I, mm. I think I remember just playing that a lot when I was young, like that Parallel Lines is such a, such a brilliant seminal album. It's got like so many hits on it that you, you know you just couldn't stop listening to so yeah I think I thought you know everyone wanted to be Debbie Harry she was so cool you know she's like yeah. beautiful and so cool and you know just amazing songs and so I, I think pro probably her I just thought wow you know she, she's she's really got it this <laughs> this woman definitely yeah. like you say she's beautiful and a badass as well yeah like, exactly. <laughs> you exactly wouldn't that. Yeah. get the impression that you wouldn't cross her lightly you know <laughs> no, I think she's phenomenal I really do she's had like a crazy life and you know still going yeah which, you know, not not that you know not that you need to keep going you know people that have called it a day that's fantastic but I just think if you want to keep going and you can then fantastic yeah i mean i think at the beginning of lockdown i went through a space of watching various live performances because obviously i couldn't get out and watch anything anymore you know couldn't go to gigs and um one of the first ones that i stuck on was blondie's isle of white set from 2019 2018 something like that yeah and it's incredible like that and like you say the band as well behind her you know clem burke especially that yeah. just an incredible drama insane drama He's amazing. I mean, the whole the whole band, you know, Chris Stein's still there, but you know, mm. they've got like Jimmy Destry and Tommy Kessler on guitar now. He he's phenomenal. I mean, I I know you know some folks in New York that I play with who play with him, and he's he's amazing. I'm a big fan of his. Mm. Um, so yeah, he, she, she's got like you know they've still got that foundation with her and you know Chris and Clem, and then they've got these phenomenally talented other folks, which I think obviously a lot of a lot of the older bands do now. You know, they don't necessarily have their original bands but they've got yeah. fantastic other musicians around them and that really boosts it as well because you get that marrying of like you know the classic you know playing and then you do get something new and extra and I actually think that works really well you know with with some of the sort of older acts who've now got that sort of more energized band if you like around them I think 
you know, it really works. Mm, definitely. So what was like the first single or album that you bought? Because these are the interesting questions that kind of tell us where you started your musical journey yourself, really. Well, it's a funny one, actually, because do you know what? The honest truth is I didn't really buy much music. I was so lucky. As I say, we had so much music around me and like friends and, and cousins and you know, siblings, and I, I didn't actually buy very much. I feel very privileged, actually. But, <laughs> although I have to say, I think the first thing I bought, again, to work Blondie, was when they came back, I don't know if you remember a track called Maria in the late mm, 90s. Yeah. I was always an amazing track, and I do remember buying that. Again, that's from the album, like, No Exit, and I just thought it was phenomenal. I think it got to number one over here. I think um, it did, yeah. Which was brilliant. But, you know, having said that, I say I've just been surrounded by so much... It's a bit cliche to say the classics, but, you know, Bowie and, um, you know, the Pretenders we had around a lot. And I, w- I probably would have bought this stuff. It's just that I was so lucky <laughs> I didn't need to. Um, I, I do. And then, you know, when it came into, I guess when I started buying a lot, you know, kind of kind of in the in the 90s, I suppose, with like more the indie bands, I was a big fan of people like Suede. I yeah. loved Suede. Again, still, you know, still, still, doing, going, yeah. still doing their stuff. Amazing. I'm big, big fan of Suede. You know, again, I think Brett Anderson's a phenomenal performer. And then, of course, you know, you mentioned the Smith, you know, I've got quite a connection to um, to Morrissey. Um, and so obviously his stuff I would buy, yeah, all through like the 90s, like his his solo records, I think, you know, especially like Vauxhall and I and um, mm-hmm. Southport Grammar I really like as well, actually. Yeah. And Your Arsenal was like, you know, one of, I think one of the best records that anyone's ever made, actually. Yeah. So. For me, you were, the, you were the Quarry is my go-to Morrissey solo al- album. Yeah, I think that was I think that was sort of classed as a a, a bit of a comeback, although I'm not sure why. I think it's just Mm. been a a sort of maybe a way of it. But yeah, that's a that's a fantastic album. I think Mm. of the more recent ones, I think, although I say recent, it's probably over 10 years ago now. (laughs) Years of Refusal is actually one of my one of my favourites. It came out in sort of I think about 2008 or nine. To me, that was a real kind of indie rock kind of album and that's really up my right up my boulevard time you know that kind of indie rock chunky guitars like that was you know I just that's probably you know what one of my favorites I think um yeah of his because you you mentioned obviously uh knowing people in New York you split your time normally between uh London and New York so in a normal year what's the kind of uh what what's the kind of split there well, I was in New York permanently for about 10 years, sort of right. ma- ma- mainly over there. And then the last few years, I, I've sort of been going back and forth. And I was planning that last, it's funny because um, last January, so January 2020, I started recording this, this new record that, that we've got coming out in London. And I was hoping to have it all done in a few months, you know, but I look back so naive, so, so silly. But my plan was to get it done by sort of, you know, last spring, late spring, early summer, and then to go back to New York. So I was I, I was there in February last year and I, I was kind of just getting ready. I thought, yeah, I'm going to come back like more permanently now. And then, of course, you know, uh, things happen. So um, I've been stuck in London. Um, I shouldn't say that, stuck in London. It's wonderful. <laughs> wonderful to be home um but yeah so I would say I was planning to go back but normally I'd, I'd probably spend most of my time over there and maybe come back here for a few months at a time and you know just 
it, it does vary, but um, and I've been spending more time over here in the last in the last few years. But like I say, I, and I still hope to go back like at some point. I, hopefully, you know, in the not too distant future. But um, we just have to see. We just have to see what happens. But yeah, I went over there um quite a while ago, and uh, not knowing if I was actually going to stay there, but I did end up staying there. And you know, so it's an amazing city. Have you are you familiar with New York at all? I've been a couple of times. Yeah, I really I, I love the city just because it's compact you know you can you can walk it basically i mean you you wouldn't want to because it's so congested full of people but uh yeah it's uh it's i've I've not kind of done the nightlife side of things particularly but yeah i I get the impression that it's a bit like london in that if you go down the right alley (laughs) and go into those doors that don't look like they should be leading to somewhere magical they actually do do you know what i mean yeah yeah, no, it's it's true. I mean, you're right. That's what I love about it. Um, so I mean, it's only say it's compact. I think it's like two miles across Manhattan. I mean, and like you can just walk across. And um, yeah, it's it's really an amazing city. Like I absolutely love it. It feels it feels like home. I mean, obviously I'm at home in London, but it it does feel very much like home mm. out there. And I think you know they are they're so similar. I think I think anyone coming from the UK, I suppose especially London though, like when you you get there you kind of do feel like you know it but I think that's because we've all grown up with like you know the iconic kind of the skyline and you know um, every every street is a film set basically isn't it you look down and you're like oh red bricks like from (laughs) and then over there it's like it's the steam coming out of the grates and exactly I think that's I think that's why we sort of feel I don't know a connection to it I'm guessing I mean I certainly did but because you know you've just seen it all you know it's just it's just in you isn't it from movies and tv just from forever, I think everybody knows, you know, the yellow cabs, the skyline, Central Park, the buildings, etc. And um, and also, it's so much like London, especially now. I mean, you know, you've got this big metropolis with with a subway, and all the stores are the same, which you yeah. know is not a great thing. Unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of the kind of you know independent stores, unfortunately, have been pushed out. But it is. I remember when I first went, you know, people would say to me, oh, have you have you settled in? And I and I honestly used to think there's really not much to settle into. It just felt very you know, like hot, kind of London on steroids. It's very heightened. Like you say, everything's compact and, and, you know, and there's a real and I think the music scene especially is just very it's very tight. And I think with London, it's a kind of a bit more spread out and. Whereas over there, like a lot of the clubs down the Lower East Side, which is where I was a lot, they're so close. Like you say, you just walk to everything and everyone kind of knows everyone. And and I'm sure there's, there is a degree of that in London, of course, mm. but it does seem like much, much just closer, like you say, much more compact. And, mm. and uh, it's like a real sort of community spirit, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so kind of touching on that as well, you know, the last year, how have you found kind of... 2020 and the beginning of 2021 both as Louise the person and the artist yeah I know that obviously you were saying you were hoping to bring an album out last spring it's finally out now almost a year later you know it will be it's not actually coming out the full album isn't coming out until the autumn but um right so it's just the singles that are coming out Yes. Yeah. We've got a new single coming out next month. Um, finally. So, yeah, I think the same as probably the same as everyone, you know, it's been, it's been difficult and, but it's been okay. Yeah. So last, like I say, last January we started recording and then it got to March and we'd got a fair bit in the bag, um, but certainly nowhere near, you know, done of course. Mm. And then we went into lockdown and then we had this kind of pause and said, what do we do? 
and I sort of waited for a bit and then thought, oh, uh, no, we're just going to have to probably get this done remotely, you know, sort of all in our own studios, really. Mm. And then sort of late spring, summer, thought, right, OK, I'm just going to have to record, you know, my vocals in, in my studio and and we'll get, you know, everyone to do their stuff in their studios. And so that was um, it was it was good and bad, I suppose. In a way, it was it was good for me because I was learning new stuff. Like you know, normally when I'm I'm just singing, and you've got mm-hmm. the engineer there, and you've got you know whoever there's recording for you when you're in the studio. And you don't need to worry too much. You just want to perform. Mm-hmm. And now suddenly I'm having to do it myself, so I'm now worrying about the technical side of it, you know, and like the actual recording process, which. I say kind of honestly interesting yes enjoyable no for me like because you're 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 trying to perform but at the same point is the gain all right am I peaking is it clipping is it what was the latency okay all this kind of technical stuff that I'm like on the positive like I had lots of time you know I could do things as many times as I wanted to Mm -hmm. you know I I could you know if I wasn't quite happy but then you've got no one there sort of saying yes no and you know you sort of suddenly you're overthinking everything yeah (laughs) Like, you're like you record something like over and over I did go down a bit of a rabbit hole of um suddenly recording just over and over and over and then trying to edit and I mean sorry I mean I record everything in one take is what I meant to say Tom sorry <laughs> um, I don't know what I'm talking about one take wonder you should ask Andy my producer one take wonder and um I actually found it really hard work I say I've I've learned stuff and I, and I am actually grateful about that but I did find it quite hard, but it's totally worth it. Mm. So like for, yeah, from a sort of professional and and music point of view, we, we sort of got everything pretty much together by sort of the summer, by about July, I think August. And then it was a case of, right, what we're going to do about mixing. And um, I'd spoken to Boz Bora, who works with Morrissey's Morrissey's MD and and co-writer who I've known for, um, many many years and he he's worked on a couple of my uh, early records he produced my first two albums and he said oh well, you know I'll have a look at it I'll take it away he's got his he's got a studio in Portugal beautiful studio in the, in the literally in the middle of nowhere up in the mountains in nice. <laughs> near the Algarve yeah it's an incredible place you are as I say it is middle of nowhere stuff where you could make as much noise as you like and, and do what you like and um, him and his wife love it out there spends a lot of time out there and so he, you know, he he took it out there and he he added some stuff on, like his guitars and keys and what have you, and and did a bit of pre-mixing for us and brought it back by the time it was about August. And it was again, it was getting is getting there, getting there. And then um, and then we thought right, again, I think you're right, but how how should we get this mixed? Who do we want to mix it? And um, we ended up like so so lucky. So I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Roger Manning, who was one of the founder members of Jellyfish back in the day. And uh, but he's played with everyone you can possibly think of. He, he's mainly a keyboardist. Um, mm. And uh, but he, again, I know him through the Morrissey camp, if you like. Um, but I mean, he, he's played on everything. He, he's in Beck's touring band, does a lot with the Killers. And oh, so wow. Morrissey, everyone you can think of. And uh, we had this sort of idea of maybe asking him because he's, you know, he's an amazing musician and does a lot of arranging. So I went to him and he said, oh, I'm really flattered, but I'm not a mixer, which we kind of knew. But I just thought, you know, there's no harm in asking people, you know. He said, I'm not a mixer, but I tell you who is. And he put me on to this uh, guy called Ken Sluter, um, who is amazing. Again, you know, who, who Roger had worked with a lot. 
and he, and is working with Roger's new stuff um, that he's that he's doing now. And again, has worked on on the Morrissey stuff with. Um, he works a lot with Joe Ciccarelli, who's produced Morrissey's last few albums. Right. Um, Ken's mixed uh, a bunch of that stuff. So we went to Ken and and gave him one track and said, oh, you know, give give it a go. What do you think? And which was ours, which was the first. Uh, track off the new record and he did an absolutely amazing job I remember it came back and we were all like wow like it sounded so different like in an amazing way it really was like we were just like oh my god this is amazing <laughs> so it really what he needed to just sort of kick it up you know mm. And um, so I went back to Ken and said, yeah, this is fantastic. Can you do the whole album? And he's like, yes, yeah. so I was really lucky that he was available and, and wanted to do it. So, so Ken started mixing it in, I think about September. And it it's taken until, yeah, I think we didn't finish mixing it until probably February. But again, like it wasn't like obviously every day and all the time we were going again, back and forth. And um and I was, as things were getting mixed and things were sounding, you know, different. And then I would revisit the vocals or we'd revisit. We actually ended up recording a bunch of the guitars again. I ended up recording a lot of the vocals again, just because you know, as the songs were coming together, it's like, oh, what fitted now? And they need a slightly different attack or a slightly different vibe. Mm. So that's kind of what took the time. But I just thought, well, it's worth spending the time. So we eventually got it in the bag in kind of the mixing was done I think at the end of February and then we got it mastered yeah about a month ago uh mm. by Dave Collins uh, who's also out in LA with Ken Ken's in LA and Dave is in LA so it's kind of this crazy thing as well it's very kind of um again the kind of US UK because I, I wrote most of it in New York and then recorded it in London and then it's got mixed and mastered in LA so we finally got there so it's been it has been a bit of a slog but like I say, to totally worth it. Um, mm. and, and I'm sort of glad that it, um, I'm glad that I have it. Cause you know, obviously like you say, personally, it's been difficult, same as everyone, you know, I guess everyone's found it difficult in their own way. I mean, I've, I've certainly nothing to complain about when it comes to lockdown, you know, I'm very lucky, but I think the same with everyone, you know, I haven't seen, I haven't seen my family for about five, six months now. Mm. So that's hard. I think last last summer wasn't too bad because we did have that kind of, you know, we were able to do things over the summer a bit, weren't we? Yeah. And uh, so I think the, the initial few months last year wasn't wasn't too bad. I think people, I don't know, it was, it it kind was of, novelty, the, wasn't it? Because the weather was so beautiful as well. I think a lot of people, I know I especially, started treating it like a holiday. <laughs> like the sun was out every day. We had that heat wave. And it, yeah, you're right. It felt like a novelty. And then as time has kind of ground on and the second and third lockdowns happened and it was winter and it was a bit more miserable. Yeah, it's just, yeah, less and less. Yeah, it's been, yeah, I know it sounds funny, isn't it, saying novelty now? Because obviously that, that kind of sounds like a good thing, but I think no, people, no. but we managed. I think people were like, okay, we got to deal with this. And like you say, it probably did help with the weather. And it, it was all very odd, you know, those days where we were queuing outside the supermarkets and, you know, it was all very strange but you sort of got on with it because it was this new weird way of living mm. and then yeah and then summer wasn't too like so at least we could get out and, and we could see people a bit and yeah it wasn't too bad but yeah coming into autumn winter 
it has it has been difficult. I've I've definitely found it difficult. And so since sort of yeah, I haven't seen my family since October, mm. and obviously hopefully see them soon, probably next month. It has been quite difficult, but like I say, it's like nothing you know nothing to complain about really in the scheme of things and and I'm glad I had the record to focus on because you know if I didn't then probably yeah would have been a lot harder you know it's nice that you to have something to sort of channel your energies into you know yeah absolutely and I think the other thing is like it's having the choice of going somewhere and seeing people isn't it when you've got the choice it's your choice when you aren't allowed that's where the kind of you're like oh god you know it's it's that whole thing of not being able to have what you want do you know what I mean like it's that normally I could choose to go out and eat in a restaurant or go to a pub but Mm. because I can't do those things it's like oh I feel like it's been taken away yeah yeah I know I know I know what you mean Uh, sure I mean I'm I'm not someone who'd be out like in a in the normal world I wouldn't Mm -hmm. someone who'd be out every night anyway that's not really me but like you say, the fact that you can't, it, it, yeah, it's sort of mentally, it is different, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. like, you feel like, oh, I, not that I would necessarily be going out, you know, every night anyway. Yeah. But then if you want to, it's suddenly like, yeah, you can't. It's hard, but hopefully, I mean, we seem to be on the right path now. We just got to keep our fingers crossed, haven't we, that things continue as they are. So. Yeah. Definitely. And as you say, you've had the album to kind of uh, to focus on and and put all your energy into. And um, as you say, it seems to have paid off. I mean, just listening back to the last the the previous four albums, there seemed to be a step up from um, late 44 to when I don't love you, I'll let you know. There seemed to be a big step up in kind of the palette sound was bigger yeah. on that album and then like you say this one there's even more of a, a broader range of sounds like it sounds much more dense it sounds like yeah. there's a lot going on in there and yeah. um it comes down to everything as well because you know one of the things that i noticed about the track listing of the new album is that every single track is a single four letter word and then it was only when we were talking the other night where you, you said that actually within the bridge of the first song which is last yeah that's right all the other song titles are in the bridge of that one song and then I was like right okay I've got to go back (laughs) to this now because it just sounds like there's so much going on and because obviously the last record um record (laughs) Uh, I call it record I know it's funny they don't even it's it's like something in the ether isn't it but um no let's stick with record (laughs) <laughs> okay, good, good. I'm glad. Uh, I haven't made a complete faux pas. Um, it was kind of based on Cary Grant and his his life yeah. and his movies, which is interesting because a friend of mine, he does a podcast called Secret Histories of Hollywood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's literally just, as, as we started to kind of communicate via messages, yes. um, he'd released his first 12-hour episode on the life of yeah. Cary Grant. So that was... I- an interesting little bit of synergy there yeah yeah I love stuff like that yeah I know I mean and that's fantastic so I mean I I love yeah I think he, he was an amazing amazing man I just think everything about him you know his his life and not not you know not just his movie career but his actual life was mm. like fascinating to me you know I mean I, I I didn't I didn't kind of intend I don't really ever intend anything. I just didn't intend to write this whole record around his movies, but I just I just ended up doing that. I think I went down a bit of a rabbit hole one day. 
started watching a bunch of his movies and started just kind of writing about stuff kind of not not directly but kind of definitely inspired by and uh, and then after a few I thought oh looks like I'm writing you know <laughs> so I'm actually writing the record about, about the Cary Grant movies but um yeah I think he's, he's got a fascinating life story you know he does yeah I mean you know coming from where he did from the family that he did and reinventing himself abroad uh you know absolutely incredible story but it seems that i mean i assume the first three albums didn't have such a kind of tight theme to do with them yeah that's right yeah Yeah. but then the the kind of theme album seems to be a thing now like (laughs) because the antonio you were saying it's based on a song by where's it gone french singer yeah yeah jacques brel that's yeah, it. he's an yeah, he's he's an he's an amazing singer. I I don't know how familiar. I I guess kind of you know some people know him. I mean he he's I can't remember when he died actually. He died quite some time ago, um, but he's very he was a very famous Belgian singer. And one of his most famous songs is called La, Ch- La Chanson de Jackie, mm. which was has been covered by a number of people. My favorite cover was done by Mark Armand over here, which which was a, I think it was a fairly big hit. Um, just called Jackie. Scott Walker did a very famous cover of it. I think in the US, I think Scott Walker's cover is very well known. Also, I think just called Jackie. But yeah, I just, I just loved it. I, again, I just sort of came across this song one day. And I was like, this is so cool. And it's such a, the lyric of that song is just incredible. It's just this fantastical, strange song about, really about the fleeting nature of fame. And it's kind of imagining um, yourself in the future looking back thinking mm-hmm. oh I'm all washed up now and just sort of reflecting on the glory days of, of what was and there's a line in it that says Antonio," uh, which is uh, my name would be Antonio and I don't know why Tom but for some reason it just sort of resonated with me I just kept singing it my name would be Antonio and I just I just like it just stuck in my head that's all I can say and I just think you know I, I don't know anyone called An- Antonio but I just kind of started imagining this kind of aging Lothario, if you like, and what his life was like, but that's where it came from. And then I started, you know, writing the songs. And again, the four letter word thing wasn't Mm. deliberate at all at first. And I just found that I'd written a few and then I thought, oh, these are becoming, this is coming becoming a thing now. And I thought, why not? Let's just go with it. And I did, I did actually toy, you know, a couple of people have said to me, why don't you call the record like four letter words? It's kind of, you know, a bit of a nod and a wink and and I did think about it for a minute and then I just thought, no, because it's come from Antonio. So that's really what I what I wanted to, to call it. So it's kind of, we say theme, yeah, it is just kind of imagining songs about this, this guy, this kind of extraordinary uh, untrue love story, I suppose. Mm. So, um, yeah, which I just found the same thing with the, with the Cary Grant record. It's just, it's a really nice different jumping off point because I think obviously most people and myself included you kind of write what you know your own experiences or things that are interesting to you or things that matter to you and that's great and you know we all do that but I it's kind of nice to say to just have a different reference point and when Mm. you find something that actually really appeals to you and you do want to work with or from I say both those records you know having having that was just kind of it just kind of made it more interesting for me. And I think maybe, you know, like you say, made this album sound a bit different um, because 
just that reference point was different rather than the same old or what am I feeling or what am I going through it's kind of imagining yourself as either those people or just in the lives of those people I think Mm. and do you think that it's kind of broadened out as it allowed you to kind of play with a different way of making music would you say like because as I say there, there was a there was a definite it seemed to me anyway that there was a definite shift in sound between the third and the fourth album. Mm. And so do you, do, you, do you think that maybe writing from a, another's perspective perhaps or, or telling someone else's story is actually informs the way you write or, or am I looking into that slightly too much? Well, I think it's a couple of things with the sound. I think definitely that. I think it did change things a bit because like I say, it's just a different perspective and to try and to keep things a bit sort of, fresh and not just you know I think all bands and artists you know you're always guilty you kind of go back to your same sort of starting point a lot of the time because that's just you you know everyone's got their own thing yeah and how they write and you know and um, their kind of go-to sounds their go-to melodies you know their go-to approach so I, I think it was having that but also I think I was a lot more involved in the last two records I think I became a lot more involved like you said with the with um the last record when I don't love you I think um that was the first one I think I've been a lot more involved with the not just with the writing but with the arrangements and Mm. and 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 definitely on this one too like this this one Antonio I've certainly been the most involved that I've ever been but it started with the one before I think getting much more involved on the arrangement side of things I think than I ever had been and then this this one now, I'm sort of completely all over it. You know, I was sort of gone from when I first started recording, I, I would kind of just write on the guitar and just, you know, chords, melody, lyrics. And then I'd work with musicians and obviously they'd come along and, that you know, they put on, you know, the drums, the bass line, maybe some keys and stuff. And, and I didn't really have too much to do with that. But now... I say I, you know, certainly this record, you know, I'm I'm writing everything. I'm writing the guitar parts, the lead guitar parts, the bass parts, you know, the the drums, sort of the idea. Obviously, I'm I'm no drummer, but just the idea of how I want the drums, you right. know, writing. So I just found, you know, I, I was actually kind of writing everything, actually writing the keyboard parts, writing even lead guitar parts. I think nearly all of the lead guitar parts, you know, sort of wrote. And keys, I've played a lot of keys on this record. And that that was different as well, actually. I think that fourth record. I started writing more on on um, on keys than guitar, and I think maybe yeah, something's interesting you picked up on that again. That shifted. I think that might be what shifted things as well mm. because I'd always always written on guitar before then. Now I sort of I do both, but definitely a lot more on keys, which you know, and I think I think that that has changed as well, which is which is nice, you know. Mm. So just being just just having that change has made me think about what I want to change as well. Yeah. As I say, it was, it it has been noticeable, I think. So it's working. That's for sure. Um, And, and, and going back to uh, Boz Bora, for example, I mean, uh, he produced your first couple of albums as well. Right. So how did you, how did you come into contact with him? I just turned up at my house one day, Tom, just knocked on the door. Said, he'd, heard, he'd heard about you and wanted to work with you specifically, yeah. <laughs> you well, the, 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 it's, kind of, it's not that far. Some of that's true. Some He did knock on my door one day. And right, said, okay. That's true. That's completely true. And I said, oh, okay, I might as well open the door then if it's you, Boz. Um, so what happened? <laughs> that is true. 
right before I went to New York for the first time, when I actually moved over there. Before that, I'd started doing some recording at Mill Hill um, Recording Studios in North London, um, not too far from where I live. And while I was getting ready to move to New York and I had some guitars in my house and I didn't want to leave them in the house. And I said to Roger, who owns the studios, mm. oh, um, can, you know, do you know what I could do with my guitars? You know, because I don't know. At the time, I didn't know whether I was going to be in New York for like a month or six months or I just, I just didn't know. Mm. And he said to me, oh, uh, Boz Bora will look after them for you. Mm. Uh, said um oh uh Willie okay because <laughs> uh, uh Roger and Boz are old are very very old friends from from young schoolboys. right so he said yeah yeah um yeah he'll, he'll come and get them for you so it was like wow because I I was obviously a Morrissey fan mm. before then so I knew I knew who Boz was hadn't met him so yes he literally the night before I was going I was packing up my stuff and he just he just knocked at my door and um, said, hi, Louise. So you've got some guitars for me. I said, yeah, I have. And we had, <laughs> we had a not uh, probably only about five or 10 minute chat. I had a beautiful um, Gretsch, an old uh, 6120 Chet Atkins, which he loved because Boz is a real Gretsch fan. Yeah. Played you know, so much of his stuff and they're beautiful guitars. So he was like, oh, it's, this is, you know, it's a super nice guitar. But yeah, we spoke for about five or 10 minutes. That was all. And then, then he took the guitars for me and then I went off to the States and then I think it was about probably nearly a year later. So I was in New York and they were out there. Morrissey was on tour, touring years of refusal that we spoke about mm. earlier. And he looked me up there, you know, cause he knew I was out there and I was just really lucky. I think they, they were in New York for maybe a week, 10 days. I can't remember exactly, but um, we ended up, just hanging out a lot together. He, he just invited me out and I sort of hang out with the band and they, they did a bunch of shows. I think um, like the Barry Borum, Webster Hall, Carnegie Hall. They, they did quite a lot in New York at that time. And so, yeah, I was just super lucky. I just got to, ne- got to know him during that time. And then I think a few months later, I flew down to Houston where they were also doing a show. Right. And that, that was, that was a great show to just pop down there. That's the great thing. You just pop around the place. I love it. You know, just, jump on a plane um and I think then the morning after the show I met him in the restaurant the morning after the show and I and um in New York I think I'd given him a few demos to listen to and then in that in um in in Houston he said oh I listened to your stuff like we know yeah do you want to maybe do something together um because he had his studio and he said you know you could come out to Portugal and we could do something so that was like amazing I was like oh yeah definitely so that's kind of how it started and then I flew out with the guys I was working with in New York um to Portugal and we did that first record and it it was it was just brilliant it was such an amazing time Mm. we didn't really know what to expect you know we'd we'd come over from this crazy New York like I say literally the middle of nowhere you sort of go flying to southern Portugal and then up through the Algarve into these mountains and it's um yeah it's got this amazing studio there the kind of the nearest village is about a 45 minute drive. And even that's just a very small village. Right. And there's a bus. I think there's a bus that goes into the village and it goes uh, once a week, like <laughs> not, not once a day, once a week, <laughs> a bus will come if you do want to go anywhere. So it's incredible. It's just this wow. place in the mountains. It really is amazing. We had a brilliant time there. We were there for about a week, I think. 
putting down the bare bones of it you know we did some post stuff but yeah it, it was just incredible experience like working with him there so that that's kind of how how I met just really lucky I guess you know mm, mm. it's funny though isn't it because there is so much there seems to be a lot of serendipitous there's something about certain stories where you're like well you know this person's a fan of these people and then they meet them. And I, I just love that. Yeah. And it, it comes back to something that you said about um, the album, Ken Sloisher, who mixed some of Mark Alman's track. Yeah. Ken, Ken's mixed the record. Yeah. So it was the mixing. And, and so you've based Antonio around this, uh, this, this song that Mark Alman covered quite successfully and then the same person who's mixed it has mixed this album as well yeah so yeah Ken Ken did about he did I don't think he he wouldn't work on that that song but he has he has mixed Mark's um I think a track or two on Mark's anthology Mm. but Mm. yeah that that was yeah that was a crazy coincidence again which I love like so I love these sort of these crazy coincidences Mm. so um yeah no he's brilliant and when I saw that he'd done some work on Mark's anthology which was like about four album thing I said Ken Ken just did I think uh, one I think he did one or two tracks on it but yeah that was like so cool so it's such a tie-in you know to to just where the inspiration came from that I just wasn't expecting at all so yeah it was really cool and mentioning Andy Woodard as well plays with Adam Ant yeah at the moment I'm putting together and hopefully I'll start editing soon the new documentary that goes out at the end of this month, which is on Adam and the Ants. Brilliant. So like, again, Brilliant. it's like when we first started talking, it was the Cary Grant thing. Yeah. Like you know, there's this other synergy as well. Yeah. I know, I know when you said about doing Adam stuff, I mean, that that's crazy. And again, through, I, I know all these folks kind of, it always comes back to Boz. I met, yeah. So Andy drums with, with Adams. I think he's been with him for about, I think maybe about the last 10 ish years, I think when Adam started touring a lot again yeah. um, and doing like he he's brilliant I mean he's such a showman he still looks absolutely well, as you know he still looks fantastic and puts on such a great show like yeah. he's brilliant um, and again sort of you know he doesn't have you know that those the original ants or anything mm-hmm. um, but I I met yeah through Boz I actually met a guitarist called Tom Edwards who was Adam's MD mm. again sort of you know starting probably about 10 years ago I think you know but Boz and Adam are very very good friends they're very dear friends and uh I think he put Adam in touch with Tom as as a guitarist and um and then Tom became became Adam's MD and then I ended up playing some gigs with Tom again through through Boz so I started working with Tom quite a bit and then I met Andy through him really. I think again in I think when I think I met Andy in New York, they were out on tour with Adam in New York quite a few years ago. And we all went out afterwards. And so and then I met Andy and and the rest of the band, like through Tom. Mm. And yeah, and we we just kind of all all got on. And then Andy said to me, if again for the Cary Grant record, he said, why don't we just do something together? you know, myself and, and Andy and Tom were thought, yeah, so we started, I think that was about 20, mm, 20, end of 2016 or something like that. We started to sort of work on that. And then unfortunately at the beginning of 2017, um, Tom passed away. So yeah, the, which was extremely, extremely difficult for everybody um, whilst on tour with Adam um, no. In, in the US actually they were in New Jersey so that was you know really incredibly difficult time 
but uh, Andy and I decided, well, we might as well carry on with with the record, the Cary Grant record, you know, because we'd started and we thought, well, you know, again, it gave us something to to focus on. Yeah. You know, as well as everything else. I mean, they, they did. I think they they cancelled a few gigs, but I mean, they did carry on. They just thought, you know, the best thing really is, you know, is to just carry on. Um, and then after that, yeah, when when Andy got back to the UK, um, we decided to just focus on that record. And and then and that that was, I say, that was more um, that change of becoming more involved because it was kind of it really was just me and Andy on that record, really. Right. Plus Boz, because Boz came in and put some. Um, guitar and keys on like he always does because he's brilliant but really it was just a tour of us and right. and you know just I was a lot more like I say I started to become a lot more involved in things at that point because mm-hmm. we, we were just working and and also we were very you know Tom was very much you know such a presence around still is but especially then you know we I don't know it, it was an interesting time there's a lot there's a lot of grief but then you can channel that as well you know yeah, definitely. Um, it can be a source of inspiration as well, isn't it? Yeah, and it's also a way to work was, through. Yeah, it kind of was an inspiration. It's like, obviously, we, you know, we we really miss him. But it's, um, you know, it's just something to keep you going. It'll be his memory, if you like, you know. Mm. So, I mean, and that, that album was dedicated to Tom completely. As well as, you know, like I say, yes, the inspiration, it was about the Cary Grant thing. But like I say, I wasn't necessarily writing directly about it was an inspiration plus you know, you you can kind of apply, you know, you hear lyric, you can apply it to whatever's in your mind, can't you? Yeah. You can interpret it however you want and everyone does differently. So although a lot of that record was about the movies, it was also partly about Tom as well. Right, right. Yeah, definitely. So, and then Andy, yeah, and Andy and I had a really good time working on that record. And then we just sort of, you know, continued, you know, thought, well, you know, we'll, we'll do that again. And sort of so he's produced this record. So, although we did expand the team this mm. time. So do you have set people that you play with when you're playing live that obviously aren't necessarily on the album, but have you got a set group of people that you always hire as a band? Yeah, you well in New York definitely. I've sort of had a core, yeah, core guitarist. There's a guitarist called Rob Ritchie in New York who who I've played with for Donkey's Years, who's who's amazing. And actually I I got him to get on one of these tracks on the new record just again remotely. I was just like, Oh Rob, can you play on this? You know, and he played on a track called Home, which was brilliant. Um so I've played with him again for like Donkey's Years and he he's he was on my first couple of records out there. And various, various like dramas, bass players. Yeah, kind of I don't know, maybe about half a dozen people. I'd sort of, you know, depending on who's available in New York. Like I say, it, it's it's good. It's such a small community. Everyone knows everyone. So whoever's whoever's kind of available. Um, there's an amazing musician out there called Adam Minkoff, who I used to play with quite a lot, who one of these geniuses who plays everything and anything. You know, he, he plays every uh, instrument. He sings, he writes. He's absolutely incredible. Um, mm everyone plays with him in New York as well and then over here I mean I haven't played for a while I haven't played live um again over here it was it was Tom and Andy and a few I've played with a few other folks like to do with Adam as well so now like I actually don't know I mean I would obviously be playing with with Andy I'm sure if we get to play again uh, and then we'll just yeah it'll just be whoever kind of we think suits who's available and who who would suits the record as well what was the last gig that you played not for a couple of years actually so oh, right. yeah we up in in new york because i've been over here well yeah i mean i've been back can't even i've lost track of time like over a year mm. and i think 
out there maybe not that long ago maybe about 18 months ago yeah I mean the last time I played in London was years ago I think the last gig I did over here was at the 100 club right on Oxford street which was about five years ago wow but that's I say but that's because generally I'm not here I mean I'd love to play here more like now but yeah New York probably about 18 months ago it's been it's been a long time I'm sort of a bit worried about you know will I remember I'll probably I feel like I'll sort of get on stage and be like Bambi and won't even be able to walk (laughs) let alone sing because it's it's be so strange getting back on on stage I think you know Mm. and you don't know what the audience hopefully we can play to people I just don't know I mean there is it is encouraging I mean that the place I played most at in New York is a club called the Bowery Electric mm. which is downtown it, it's it's next door where to CBGB's used to be on the Bowery right. um, and it's a great great club I love it it's my favorite place to play and they've they've started now to open up and put some live gigs on like you know with reduced capacity mm. obviously, but they have you know they have actually started now so that is encouraging yeah definitely i um i share the same thing i i sing and play bass in a couple of bands yeah and um yeah i think we between the first lockdown and the second lockdown we were starting to go back into rehearsal rooms again and start to kind of hammer out set lists and things like that and then yeah since probably September or October I guess I've not played with anyone Mm. in any capacity Mm. and I think we're going back in in the next month or so as well to kind of start making preparations but really who knows when the actual gigs will be played yeah but yeah it's going to be a weird thing getting up in front of people and doing it for the first time and whether or not like you say it'll be reduced capacity people sitting away from each other not being able to stand up you know that that kind of thing yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting to see although someone just moved in up the road from me who does um stage rigging and lighting all right yeah um and he reckons that reading and leeds are going ahead in in august yeah so, I, have, I have heard i can't there's definitely some of the festivals that they're going ahead aren't they so mm. you know well i guess i guess those ones outside i guess that's probably all right um, yeah I don't know it's just I don't know it's all very I mean my for me it's like I, I can't really imagine gigs this year but I mean indoor gigs mm. but maybe maybe towards the end of the year I I just who knows it's just I feel it's impossible to plan like you know normally with a record you'd be playing to support it but and and our new record you know it's not the full album isn't coming out like say till October so maybe we could play then but but I'm not counting on it you know yeah. I'm I, I just don't know. I, I just don't know. And the other part of that as well is obviously from the artists or band's point of view, it's like, well, if I'm going to risk playing a show, then that puts people coming at risk as well. And you don't want to have that necessarily on, on you as well, do you? So, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll just have to see. I mean, I'm sort of thinking in my head it won't be till next year, but it, well, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, no, the, the new album, Antonio, is is amazing the artwork's incredible as well that that dress is incredible isn't it <laughs> yeah. yeah it's not that the album cover is a nod to the pet shop boys actually mm. um I don't, I don't know if you remember that but it was it's very it was a very stark cover it was the two of them in their dinner jackets that's right and then a big big kind of white space and then they were at the bottom in their dinner jackets and like uh even the even that the font 
is is a, is a kind of not nod to it on that. Mm. So yeah, it's just it's just myself in this huge. It's 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 a big black wedding dress actually. Yeah. Um, it was it was it's a beautiful dress. It was my sister's actually. Oh really? And she she lent it to me. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it is it's a beautiful it's a Vera Wang wedding dress not a, you know a black wedding dress. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but at yeah, least no. you're not at least you're not yawning on the front cover though. Like, no, like <laughs> like Neil Tennant. Hello, <laughs> like Neil. Oh, I love him. Um, yeah, no, it was. But that yeah, that was. Um, and again, that that was something that it, the album cover wasn't like that. That was a last minute thing. I mean, the photo was the same. My, my original idea was because coming from Antonio was kind of having me dressed up in this you know, in this beautiful dress, but kind of in like a dive bar. It was kind of that juxtaposition of me being dressed up, but in my mind, in a, but the thing is we, we couldn't do that. Like I couldn't go to somewhere like that. And then we, we played around with maybe trying to Photoshop it into something that looked a bit clubby. Right. And it just, it didn't, it didn't really work. I sort of had it like that for a long time. And I was thinking this, this doesn't, it doesn't, it's not saying what was in my head as in, you know, this 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 lovely gown in this awful dive but it wasn't that at all it was just kind of me with this kind of it was like this purpley background and but it, it's not that at all it's just me against a purple background like that it doesn't mean anything so then I sort of went back and said yeah this isn't right so again and then I just again I just happened to come across that album cover mm. I mean I'm, I am a big Pet Shop Boys fan I absolutely love them it's like it's not really my the kind of music that I make as such yeah. and it's just those influences i just love them <laughs> just They're like great. absolute neil tennant is an absolute hero of mine and um well they both are but i just love him i can't tell you how much tom so mm. i just I, and i just that pop it just popped into my head that record cover and i suddenly thought yeah do you know what we've got let's just make it very simple like that cover just very simple and a lot of space a lot of white space and then mm. this dress and and yeah so that's how but that was kind of a, a yeah last minute thing actually and now I'm like yeah that that works now as well I think sometimes the more the more simple you make an idea and an image in a song the more effective it can be and certainly the last I mean the last few albums have been kind of black and white anyway so it's fitting yeah. with an artistic theme I guess from the kind of album artwork point of view yeah, I think it works incredibly well. And each and every song is brilliant. I, 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 I it, yeah, I can't tell you how much I love that album. <laughs> thank you so much. And oh, thank you for sharing it with me. I'd, I'd love to be able to hear it live as well. And like you say, whether it's in October when the album actually comes out or whether it's later on in 2022, you know, hopefully we can get out there and, and you can share that with an audience yeah I mean that yeah I mean it's something to aim for I say I just at the moment I'm just not counting on anything but yeah I mean obviously that's something to to sort of you know look forward to and and hopefully that will happen and mm. you know, that yeah of course I'd absolutely love to I mean I'm sure it will happen at some point it's just like when and how I'm just I'm just not sure at the moment yeah yeah so what's the next thing that's kind of on the agenda because obviously the single comes out today on the 28th right of uh <laughs> and that so you've got um single at the end of eight uh may yes yeah. another one did, probably did... july yeah towards the end of july we're sort of looking we've got um the song last yeah that's coming out um today um, <laughs> so we should stop laughing at that shouldn't we sorry yeah sorry yeah. my bad yeah. 
I know. Right. No, it's great. I, this is the thing. This is why I was, you know, you say about podcasts and and um and radio. So I love podcasts and radio because you can just be real. Like you know, within TV land, everything is so fake. Like it reminds me of like doing that on the chat shows, and they go, "Oh, did you have a nice Christmas?" And you know, when it's when it's <laughs> October, you know, <laughs> it's like it's well, you know that like Jules Holland's Hoot and Annie is always yeah. recorded at the end of the summer or something, and they're all dressed yeah. in Santa outfits and stuff. No, it's so funny. I remember Randy <laughs> saying that to me. I remember that they did uh he did the Hootenanny with Adam right one year and yeah I remember him saying that to me it's so funny like you know like just all pretend but yeah TV is so fake that's why I like the podcast and, and the radio I love like that that kind of thing mm. you know it's great but yeah um the first single is called last you know oh the irony um <laughs> the, you know it's it like I say it kind of ties everything together mm. quite nicely and it mentions Antonio and it was it was the last not not that's the reason it's called it was the last song I wrote for the album um not that that's why it's called last but it mm. just happened to be um yeah and then we're gonna put out another track in in July and then the record will come out in October yeah mm. so um I don't know at the moment it, it's kind of just working you know promotion and just seeing what is out there I guess and I you know there might be gigs that pop up I'm not not 100 sure I mean I'm and I'll just keep writing as well. Mm. You know, I like, I have a bunch of stuff in my head and I keep, I keep thinking, oh, I need to start writing. But at the moment, my head is very much full of this record. Yeah. So, but I would, I, I will start doing that soonish, you know, just start writing again. Mm-hmm. It must be frustrating because normally, like you say, you would release singles and albums and you'd be out promoting those. And then that gives you a little bit of time to, kind of play those songs out and then start writing new songs but you haven't even had the chance to do that it must be very frustrating no it's it's odd I mean even the last the last record you know we did we did gig a bit but not not as much as I really wanted to again I think partly because I I was sort of going back and forth a bit and Mm. it was just a, a a strange time for other reasons and of course now now it's a very strange time so yeah you, I used to play so much like all the time but re, you know in the last couple of years really not not much at all but I, you know I'm really really keen to get to get back out there yeah and hopefully it comes sooner rather than later but whenever it's safe to do so I suppose yeah. but until then the music's still there yeah so before we go obviously the single's out today where can people find that um, oh, all the usual places, Tom, you know, I, I, like everywhere, really, iTunes, Spotify, you know, videos, YouTube, etc. So wherever you usually find your music, I think pretty much all the digital streaming platforms um, and downloads. And uh, for more information about you and the music, the website is? Yeah, it's louisealbury.com and or the usual, again, Facebook, uh, Louise Aubrey Music on there. Lovely. Well, thank you so much, Louise, for coming on today and taking the time out to talk to me. It's been absolutely brilliant. I've loved it. Thank you, Tom. No, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. It's been amazing and a great That's grand. Thanks so much. Um, and uh, talk to you very soon, hopefully. Thank you. Stay safe. Take care. <laughs> there you go. Didn't I tell you that Louise was lovely? Not to mention a real talent. I hope you've now got to know her a bit better and that you go out and buy her new single, Last, right now, from wherever you buy your music. Do let her know that you found out about her on this podcast if you contact her on Twitter, Facebook or through louisealbury.com. 
Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Band Biographies. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use to listen to your podcasts. Please do reach out on Twitter at BandBiogs, Instagram at BandBiographies, search on Facebook for BandBiographies or by emailing bandbiographies at gmail.com. See you next time. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.